Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up June 23rd through the 25th in Texas in the lovely Hill Country. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's one 800 497 8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. My name is Jonathan, and we have a very special guest on the phone with us today. Uh, Forrest Benedict uh, is from California. And uh, Forrest, thank you so much for being on the program with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, so we're going to get into Forrest's story in a little bit. He's a he's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he deals with folks that are struggling with sexual addictions, and we can't wait to have you hear his story. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind you, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported broadcast. What that means is that the only way you're hearing our voice is uh, because we've had partners that have come alongside of us who believe in what we're doing and want to support us financially. And so there's multiple ways in which you can do that. Uh, And if you want to learn about the ways that you can support us financially, simply go to puresexradio.com and then click on the donate button. So Forrest, I would love for you to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and then um, just, man, just tell us your story and kind of how you've gotten to the point where you're at now in your life. Okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So um, like you mentioned, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm here in Fresno, California, and um, I run a sexual addiction treatment program um, called Life Star of the Central Valley. And I also, um, my other job is is teaching uh, through Mid-America Nazarene University and training Christian therapists to do this work. And so, um, and, I, and I write as well, just do a lot around this topic of helping people heal um, from sexual addiction. And really what, what brought me to do this work is my story. And um, so just to, you know, I was raised in, um, I'd say not really a, a Christian home, but my, my dad um, was an alcoholic. He was bipolar. And this really brought a lot of difficulties into my early life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents were divorced when I was three years old. And um, interestingly, my dad accepted Christ when, I, uh, when, when he was in jail when mm-hmm. I was six years old. And so 
he did end up leading me to Christ, um, which I was, was which is definitely definitely grateful for now. Um, but but at that time, he was also I'd say misrepresenting um, Christ in a lot of ways that that were harmful to me and my family. Um, and so I had a lot of pain as as a little guy. Um, and, you know, pornography came into my life totally accidentally, as it often does. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was before, well before the Internet. And um, although my mom was really protective of the things that I watched, um, more so like avoiding violent movies and that type of thing, but really not so aware of the sexuality uh, or sensuality that was a part of the media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up, you know, at a friend's house, his, his mom or parents really had, it looked like they had stocked him up with all the pornography he could ever want. And, um, you know, I, I came a- across it at age 12, uh, still remember what I saw to this day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just was hooked. I mean, I was like, what is this? And, and so, you know, just, um, and I, and I remember hearing some of your story, Jonathan, it sounds like a similar scenario of kind of happening upon it and then kind of this aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. so really I, Oh, go ahead. Well, and so, um, Tell tell us kind of what the emotional response was to that because I think so many times, um, you know, when when I'm hearing people's stories or when we're sharing our story with somebody, it's kind of like we we say, oh yeah, you know, at such and such age, I was exposed to pornography, and then and then sort of rush on to the next part of the story, yeah. and, and sometimes we don't necessarily recognize the. Uh, impact or the, if I could even put in these terms for many of us, the trauma that that caused in our lives because there's such confusion so many times surrounding that, even if there was, a, you know, a, a good feeling in terms of the reaction to it, help our listeners kind of understand what that felt like for you and, and how you responded um, kind of on an emotional level. Yeah, no, that's a great question and not not something I've thought too much about, but I, I, I remember it being this high um, and just kind of this euphoria, but secretive, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, I somehow I knew that I just remember I was sleeping with my friends who introduced me to it. We were sleeping in a tent and I was just up kind of all into the late hours of the night looking at this stuff with him asleep. And I mean, that's, that just was, is kind of a very symbolic of how the next many years of my life were going to be where I was disconnected from the people around me and just seek secretively seeking out this, this other reality, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think I, you know, I had discovered masturbation several years before that and so for me I I wouldn't describe it as traumatic but I'd say looking back at it it was traumatic in the sense of my innocence was was long gone like this opened Mm. up a whole new world that I I didn't know existed Um, you know and I had been 
exposed to sexuality before that in a lot of ways that I, I would see as destructive now. Um, but, but this did open up a whole new world and, and, and definitely not in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Now help us understand kind of what was going on during these years in terms of your, your family dynamic. Was your father still in jail or what, you know, what was, what was going on in terms of your relationships on the home front? Yeah, you know, I appreciate you asking that. Um, he was actually only in jail for about six months. And then out of jail, he ended up remarrying and, um, you know, still was very, I'd say very legalistic and, and strict. I remember um, him him just being, um, I'm trying to think of the word, like, I, like, like the the couple times that I got spanked were when I felt like I had not done something wrong or he was accusing me of lying and I really wasn't. And mm. so it was more an injustice, it felt, you know, like I think I really, you know, didn't feel like it was like he was treating me right. Um, and And I... And and he would use the Bible, like I said, um, inappropriately, and and even use the Bible to get out of his marriage. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, by committing adultery, so that he would have that loophole out of his marriage. You know, but stuff like that. That's obviously sure, not yeah. the Bible. But um, so you know, there's there's that going on, um, and and kind of I'd say probably around that age. You know, we we moved to another city. Um, he was, I don't, I don't think he ever had probably more than like six months of sobriety. Mm. So there was, there was definitely starting to be a buildup of little different little, little traumas that looking back, I'm like, you know, there's situations of, um, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and he's probably drunk and probably not available Thankfully, I wasn't living with him. I was living with my mom, and I think that really protected me. But, you know, we'd have situations where, you know, getting ready to go on the Boy Scout camp camping trip together, getting all excited for this father-son event, and then he can't go because he's been drinking, you know, and just such, you know, the heart, the heartache of that. Mm. Um, that definitely got worse as I, as I got into my teen years. Um, you know, and, and he, do, do you want me to, yeah, to move yeah, forward? Please. And, I, uh, yeah, go ahead and tell yeah. us about what was going on in the teen years. Yeah. Well, that's when I definitely became a lot more secretive with my, uh, what, what I'd say developed into an addiction and trying to find whatever I could, you know, really just being, yeah, I look at it now as I was in a lot of pain. I was really confused. And so seeking out that sexual numbing out pretty much anywhere I could go in anywhere I could find it, I I would Mm -hmm. look for it. And so during that time, um, you know, my dad went through this time of being, um, I don't know, like sometimes he was a fun dad and like the cool dad at Boy Scout camp. Um, And then other times he would just really, 
mean and and you know like giving them giving me my first car which i'm so excited about and then um, when i don't perform up to his level or i do something wrong uh he takes the car back Mm. you know stuff like that right just if i didn't measure up i would you know be on the bad list Mm -hmm. you know and and so it was very difficult for me because i was a smart kid. I got like a, a great, you know, 3.97 GPA ended up being an Eagle scout achieving all these things. But, but, um, with him, I felt like I, it was, it was very difficult to measure up. Um, in the end, late in my later twenties, just just jumping ahead. I, I ultimately failed that test and he officially disowned me. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was just this kind of series of situations um, leading up to that where, you know, I, I think it really clouded my view of God as well. Yeah. Um, well, that's just, you know, I'd, and just, really, I'd, yeah. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more because how do you, you know, there's so, uh, how do you eventually connect with God when uh, so much throughout his word, he refers to himself as father. Was that ever yeah. a difficulty for you? And how did you reconcile those kind of things? Because obviously you had this incredibly strained relationship with your dad. And I can only imagine mm-hmm. as a young boy wanting to have that affirmation from your father and wanting to, you know, you said it almost felt like there was this confusion in your life because on the one hand, man, he could be, you know, he could be the cool dad and just, oh, wow, that's so exciting. And then on the other hand, he could be this incredibly harsh and demanding uh, person. So how mm-hmm. did you, how did you reconcile that in terms of coming to faith? Yeah. No, that was always, that was difficult because, um, for a long time, I actually hated Father's Day. Um, mm-hmm. there was this incident where my dad tried to kill himself at, on Father's Day and later told me that it was because I didn't call him on Father's Day. And so it was, it was this hugely traumatic thing and and even just the father image like I really had a lot of resentment towards him and so I I, you know it has really been this process because I've throughout the years learned a lot about the Bible felt like I had a really solid image of what who God was but didn't trust him you know I I see that as part of my when I got into recovery, that's when I learned what, what trust really was. And, you know, really had to, like, I would say pretty much, pretty much continuously, I probably felt like God was definitely mad at me because I was continuously acting out. And while at the same time going to church and, you know, believing things, but not really learning to trust God on a deep level and learning to let him love me through the painful places that I was in my heart and the things I was going through. So as, as I've gone to recovery, it has been this, like this whole, this healing experience, a big part of this. And, and this is what I see it as is 
healing my attachment. I talk a lot about attachment, but healing my attachment to God mm-hmm. and really learning to let him hold me. I think kind of the, the verse that conceptualizes my view of this the best is perfect love cast out all fear. Mm-hmm. And just you know, letting him in those times when I'm distressed or, or you know, angry or whatever, letting learning to let him hold me in that and and learning that he's that type of God that he's not like my dad who, you know, I had to perform for or, you know, I was never good enough for. Right. But he's actually the the father that that hears my cry, that cares and that responds. And I mean that's that's the dad I always needed, you know, mm-hmm. he's that dad. So I, I feel like that's a huge part of my healing is getting oh, Yeah. Absolutely. It, it like John Eldridge has that book, Fathered by God. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what I feel like is part a big part of my healing is learning to be fathered by God and it's just makes all the difference really. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to kind of the end of your teenage years and, and what did what did launching out as a young adult look like for you? I mean what were what were those years like? Yeah, you know, that was a pretty interesting time because um you know my dad ended up getting a huge uh like inheritance and blowing it. I mean, it really was his downfall. He ended up being homeless for many years after that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'd i say that's when things got really strained between us. And a lot of, you know, I have so many memories of like not knowing where he was and being the, the kid that would, you know, be driving around, looking through bushes, trying to find him, you know, like just, I can't even imagine now thinking about just how difficult that experience must have been for myself. Mm. But, um, you know, so I'm, so I am growing up. I did move out of the house and thankfully moved into a house with, you know, godly guys and got to experience men in a different way. Um, but but it was very difficult because, you know, as I was having that experience, uh, my dad was going through some very difficult things, and I and I always felt like I had to be the guy to save him. Mm. You know, I always had that fear of, you know, he's going to die out there, and I could take him, I could find him and take him to detox, and we could have this, you know, fake connection for the drive to detox while he's drunk and. I mean, it was just very, it was a lot of craziness that I was wrapped up in, but I just really felt like I had to be that person because nobody else was going to. Um, but, but so that was definitely a difficult time. But, um, you know, kind of the interesting piece to that is he had given me a little bit of money, or not a little bit, but he had given me some of that inheritance. and And I... You know, 24 years old, I, I decide. I finally decided it's time for me to get help, and um, I took I took that inheritance and you know, $1,500. That was a lot for me, but I I just knew that I was really serious, and and that's when I ended up taking that money and going to a four-day 
intensive with every man's battle. Mm-hmm. And, and really I was like, so, so ready for, for this to be it, you know, with my addiction. Like I really believed that I really, you know, had that last night where I was like, this is the last time I'm looking at porn. Um, and just went into that week, like totally ready for that to be the end. Um, and so that's kind of where we transition into that. But and so, um, would you say that was a uh, that that weekend that event was the beginning of your recovery then, or d- what happened after the after the workshop? Yeah, no, it was absolutely the beginning. I mean, it was the beginning of a whole new season of my life mm-hmm. because um, I've I've found you know in working I, I I work with so many people struggling in this area now. I kind of see that my my attitude was pretty unique because I took full responsibility for my recovery. And it was mm-hmm. like, I'm doing everything they're telling me to do. You know, so when I got out of there, I was like, I got myself into therapy. Um, you know, I was really confused why my therapist was talking all about my dad. I was like, right. I'm supposed to talk about sexual addiction here, you know? <laughs> um but now I understand why, because that was really a source of, that pain was such a source of, it was really fueling my addiction in so many ways. Um, and now now I see that he was really wise in, in addressing that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so got into that, you know, got really serious about accountability, um, was a part of a group um, of guys, and, you know, got serious about, everything, you know, uh, making, you know, blocking stuff on my computer, not, you know, setting really solid boundaries. Like I wouldn't even walk into a video store back when they had video stores, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, just cause I knew I, I couldn't, um, so setting boundaries, setting up, you know, time with God. I mean, really doing everything they told me to do. I was I was like the, I was the A student, you know, I was like kind of do what they told me to do and and it worked, you know, I was fighting lust. I was, um, started leading other guys in this area through my church and just was like, wow, this is, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is the work I, I feel called to do. And so up to that point, I had no plan of, going and getting my master's degree or I was part of this recovery too, was I was such a shy kid and had such low self-esteem and was disconnected from myself and my, you know, contribution to the world. And so I, I really see that as part of recovery is we connect with ourselves. We connect with our dreams. We connect with God and, I really emphasize this in my book, you know, which we'll talk about later, but that we get free so that, you know, we can really step into the life that we are created to live. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. You know, I ended up pursuing those things, um, becoming, so, you know, getting my master's degree. Um, yeah. So know, what pursuing- were some of the, what were some of the biggest challenges that you, that you faced along this road of recovery? Um, let's see, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, 
thankfully, I got into recovery before I got married, you know, um, mm-hmm. so that my wife didn't have the trauma that a lot of wives have uh, or a lot of partners have. Um, but it's still a challenge, you know, being in recovery, um, definitely having my cha- the challenges where I'm like, wow, I'd, you know, pushing the lines at times where I would have really bad self-care, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not go to pornography, but, um, but instead, you know, sugar became kind of my second choice, you know, it's, and, and I, now I don't see that as recovery or as good recovery, but if I'm going, if I'm having a bad day and, you know, I'm, um, going to sugar or going to eat a bunch of food or, you know, whatever, or even numbing out on TV, like, I don't see that as working good recovery. It's mm-hmm. definitely not trusting God, you know, um, or even giving into lust, visual lust. I, I see that even though I have this boundary of I'm not going to go back into pornography, you know, at times I would test the boundaries, go, you know, not to pornography, but to something sensual right. and just, you know, just, or, or even if it's just visual lust, you know, going throughout my day, knowing that I'm in this, addictive place, um, objectifying women. And so that's, that's a big challenge I'd say of recovery is that it's, it's kind of, it's not just about whether you're looking at pornography or not. It's Mm -hmm. about where you're going for comfort. And if that's not relationship and if that's not connection and if that's not God, then, um, it's not good recovery Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And I've, learned that through my own experience. Um, amazingly, you know, I haven't gone back to pornography and um, in this full 13 years, you know, since every since right before every man's battle, I, I really nailed that, you know, God led me through this process of recovery, but, um, but it definitely had very addictive experiences. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of this, to me, the challenge is, even as a having gone through all the trauma that I've gone through is learning to care for myself, learning to, um, this might sound strange, but you know, I've, I've learned to, that I need to love myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Care for my body, you know, <laughs> like it's, I think in Christian circles, that's like, what? That's, that's selfish. You know, you don't love yourself. Um, and yet, yeah, and yet this, is, this is what I always tell people. Jesus is the one who said, all the law and the prophets hinge on love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. So the idea is yeah. you, can't, you can't give that love to your neighbor without having proper self-care. If you think yeah. that loving your neighbor is destroying yourself, then you don't understand that that. <laughs> that dynamic. Uh, and Jesus yeah. Jesus is the one that said, listen, everything, all the law and the prophets hinge on that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, and I've, that I'm, I'm grateful that you said that too, because that's part of what I've learned in this process too is, and that's part of what I've held on to too, is that love, love others as you love yourself. And that that's, 
that's very hard, especially, um, you know, I think most of us that come, come through recovery, we, if anything, we, we hate ourselves. You know, we are so self-critical and so shame-based that this idea of loving ourselves is, is just, you know, night and day different from mm-hmm. how we've related to ourselves in the past. Yeah, and and I think it's, you know actually, it's hard to let other people love us if we don't love ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's even hard to God's love, um, I think. So, so Forrest, we only but, have we only have about a minute left, and I want to make sure that our listeners I, know how to get access to your book and your website. So, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually uh, bring you back next time to go into a lot more detail on the book but I really want our listeners to at least know how they can get a hold of the book and uh, connect with you through your uh, website. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So the book is called Life After Lust, Stories and Strategies for Sex and Pornography Addiction Recovery. It's on Amazon, paperback, and Kindle, and I also have lifeafterlust.com where they can check that out. Yeah, well, Forrest, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with our listeners and uh, man, it's just always amazing to uh, to see how God can can reach into our brokenness and and bring out beauty. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And listeners, uh, if you didn't catch that information, uh, that's uh, the book is entitled Life After Lust. Um, it's by Forrest Benedict, and you can go to uh, Amazon to get the book or you can go to lifeafterlust.com to get more information there. And so thank you for being with us, and we look forward, listeners, to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.